Hi, this is Vic Nitti, Chair of the AUA Office of Education, welcoming you to another Office of Education podcast. This is a special podcast uh, in which we are going to discuss the impacts of COVID-19 on urology training and education. It's a special podcast because I have with us as my co-host, Dr. Kyle Richards, and Dr. Richards is the AUA Young Urologist Committee Chair. Dr. Richards is also a urologic oncologist at the University of Wisconsin School of Medicine and Public Health and is the Chief of Urology at the William S. Middleton Memorial Veterans Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. Now, this was this particular podcast and its topics were was one that was chosen by the Young Urologist Committee. So hopefully it, it has applications not only to our young urologists, but also our urologists in training, as well as our more senior urologists. I think it's very relevant. And this is going to be a little bit different than, than our normal podcast because we're going to kind of interview each other. There are things that, uh, that, that Kyle was interested in having my input on and things that I was interested in getting his input on and, and some of the um, interests and concerns of the uh, Young Urologist Committee. So it'll be a little bit different format than usual. So first, Kyle, uh, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Vic. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm pleased to... Uh be the chair of the Young Urologist Committee. And I think this, uh, a lot of these topics, as you said, I think will be germane, not just to young urologists, but also to residents, fellows, and uh, some more senior urologists as well, I hope. I, I think so. So you, I think you had some questions for me. So why don't we go ahead and get started with those? Yeah, so the first topic that I, I was hoping you could highlight and touch on, especially in your role as as uh, uh, chair of the Office of Education, is is sort of the impact uh, in your mind of the pandemic on meetings and conference and all the cancellations that had to go on. I mean, that clearly had an impact on on uh, continuing medical education for. Uh, for all of us here. So, so how did, how did the, you know, for instance, the AUA annual meeting, which is just this huge annual gathering had to be canceled uh, in 2020. And I think the AUA did a really good job of pivoting to a virtual environment, but how do you, in your mind, how did that impact the, the educational platform? Well, you know, I think it, it did not have a negative impact on the education platform Per se. Now, you know, we, we all know when we go to the AUA annual meeting, we have socialization, we have networking, and we have those kinds of things that it's virtually impossible to repl replicate in a virtual meeting. But as far as delivering education, I think we can do that, and we did do that, and we did it effectively. I think what it also called to our attention is that in the future, we can start to design things a little bit differently. So giving unique experiences for a live meeting and perhaps a little bit different experience for something that may be virtual or webcasted 
or hybrid. So we can, I think what it's, what it's made everybody think and realize is that we can kind of separate our educational opportunities and make the things that are live more suited to be live and things that can be done in a virtual environment more virtual. Now, I think from the Office of Education standpoint, it was it, it was a little bit fortuitous that we were able to put some of the things into action that we were thinking of a little bit sooner than we thought we would. And, and I think in the end, it will be beneficial to our, our members. You know, in 2019, the AUA Board of Directors charged us with coming up with a plan for the future of education for our our membership. And, you know, we, we came up with a plan that consisted of three areas, content, how we would deliver that content or the structure, and then how that content would be accessed. And I think the, the content, we know the content or, or we, we are continuing continuously striving to know the content that our members want and need and we've come up with various ways of determining that with um, uh, with uh, different sort of um, with different sort of needs assessments um, so that we know what's needed but the structure and the access was, were the things that we really weren't very interested in changing. And we did that a little bit quicker, I think, than we initially anticipated. So we had this idea that we wanted to start to change, for example, our instructional courses and make at least some of them alternative formats where they were perhaps more interactive, small groups, video sessions, audience-led discussions, case-based presentations, even where audience members can bring case case presentations. And unfortunately, we couldn't do that in 2020, but we have plans to do that in 2021. So think about making those live courses such that if you're not in the room, it's not quite the same experience. And then we can still do our other courses in a room, but they'd also be better for for a hybrid thing where yes you could be in the room or you can view them uh, on a web same time or later and get a similar experience so I think there's been a lot of uh, a lot of thought as to how we can not only make virtual education better but how we can make education at live events better and more unique so what I'm hearing you say, Dr. Nitty, is that virtual education is here to stay in some shape or form? Well, is I don't, it a hybrid approach, or how, how do you see this in the future? Yeah, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think there's any question it's here to say. If we look at our CME claims in 2020 versus 2019, we actually had an increase in number of claims, and the hours claimed a slight increase, but clearly more people were going to virtual education because because we didn't have the live events. So those are our virtual education that was there previous. If we look at our podcasts, those are extremely popular. Um, 
thousands and thousands of, of, of downloads every month. Our, our YouTube channel that we came that we put out in 2019, an extraordinary number of hits on that and subscribers. There's obviously a demand for this. And even when live meetings come back, I think that demand is going to continue. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's you're able to really expand your reach. And, you know, certainly I think people that maybe couldn't attend an in-person meeting because of work or family or other responsibilities, they could still participate remotely, which I think has been huge. And uh, so so I think congratulations on uh, you know moving the needle and, and helping that technology, you know, solve a lot of our problems. Yeah, and you know, I mean, we knew that things would need to change, um, so it, it it wasn't that we were totally caught by surprise that we had to come up with all these things. They were honestly, they were all kind of in in preparation, but we, I think, we started to utilize them a lot faster, and we saw the fruits of our efforts. You know, if you look at the you know the the, the AUA University and the expanded use of that in 2020 dramatically increased over 2019 problem why Be, you know we think that while there wasn't that they, there was no live event to go to or live events to go to so people relied more on that hopefully they'll continue to rely on that in the future but we can use our live events for even bigger and better and more diverse things to make those events even more special and use the virtual education to supplement the live events. Now, Vic, I think you wanted to sort of changing topics a little bit, ask me some, uh, maybe ask me some questions about the impact of the pandemic on, you know, residency, training, med school, Exactly. I know that this is something that the the Young Urologist Committee was extremely uh, interested in. So we'll start first with trainees, residents, uh, medical students, and then we'll talk after that a little bit more about um, our early career urologists. So impact on residency. Well, I think it's it, it goes without saying it's been huge. Uh, I'm also uh, the assistant program director in our residency program here at University of Wisconsin. So I uh, am in the trenches with the residents here and it's the impact was was really monumental. Um, and Wisconsin wasn't uh, certainly one of the the um, hotspots for for most of the pandemic, you know, early on New York City, which was ground zero essentially, uh, I know most of the residents in those programs were redeployed into uh, uh, other areas. They were doing non-urology work uh, most of the time. Um, and I know other cities were, you know, big cities, Chicago, uh, to name a few, uh, were, were heavily impacted. Uh, those residents were, were getting pulled from their urology duties um, and, and they, they volunteered to to step up and take care of the the patients that needed to be taken care of. So I think from from a res resident education standpoint, their clinical duties were were greatly impacted. And for any residents listening, I just want to say thank you for for all the the hard work um, and the perseverance to get through this. Um, 
I know a lot of residents, residency programs had to change their curriculum, their, their didactics, their grand rounds formats. Uh, we, we, um, had to, we, we moved to virtual grand rounds uh, almost uh, you know immediately in, in March of 2020 and have been doing virtual grand rounds and all of our educational activities virtually since via via WebExes and Zoom meetings. So, so that's had a big impact. But I think, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, the content of that education has been really robust. And there's been other uh, examples. There's the Empire series that a lot of people have heard about that came out, out of uh, uh, New York uh, as well, where uh, they were able to compile a lot of their educational didactics. Um, there was a program out of UCSF also uh, where residents were able to get educational uh, materials virtually. Uh, that was fantastic. The content and quality was just outstanding. And clearly the residents, uh, many residents around the country had had some time on their hands because their clinical duties were were suppressed because uh, we were doing fewer urologic surgeries. Um, so they were at least able to get their educational content through those uh, lecture lecture type based series. Uh, so yeah, so it, it's, it was a huge impact on residents. Uh, and then medical students also were greatly impacted. I think I was just reading uh, as well that there were some medical medical schools that allowed for early graduation of their medical students in April so that they could go on to uh, help uh, during the pandemic as as interns. So that was uh, obviously something that was quite heroic that was done by uh, medical students. Uh, and then uh, medical students that were not at that point where they could graduate, obviously their clinical rotations were incredibly impacted uh, for several months uh, while we were trying to get, get, get on top of things. So uh, I would say, I just wanna thank all the residents and certainly the medical students that were part of it. And I, I think we've learned a lot about, you know, we've, we've learned a lot about the pandemic and how to, how to function and, and uh, moving forward, I think we're gonna continue to have uh, some virtual education for our residents and medical students that will carry forward. And uh, yeah, so I think th those are the, some of the highlights that I would point out for, for our trainees. How do you think the, the virtual sub-internships and the virtual interviews for the class that just matched into urology went. Got any sort of feedback on that? Yeah, so we, I know the SAU, Society, Society of Academic Urologists worked pretty hard to come up with the virtual sub-internship curriculum. And I was pretty impressed with, with the product. We at our institution had, uh, uh, we accepted virtual sub-interns for uh, several months, and uh, the virtual sub sub interns virtually rotated with us for two weeks at a time. We got to meet um, uh, many of the key faculty members and interact with the residents. Uh, so I think I think that program was was impressive, and it allowed at least allowed the medical students to get a taste for what your program what the program is like. Regarding the virtual interviews, and uh, there's been actually a, some recent publications on, uh, on, on the 
virtual interview process and, and some feedback from the applicants. And the virtual, the applicants felt like the virtual interviews allowed them to have good interviews with the faculty. But what was missing is they, and this is, this has good face validity, it makes common sense, is that the applicants couldn't, they couldn't tour the facility, they couldn't see the city. So if you've never been to Madison, Wisconsin, you, you know, you just don't know what it's like. And, and, and that was sort of lost on the process. You can't, the other thing that the applicants felt like was missing is they couldn't interact with the residents that well, which is obviously a very, I think, you can tell a lot about a program by the, the sort of how the residents interact with one another. And although, at least in our interviews, the residents were part of that process, the interaction wasn't quite as robust and quite as, I think, quite as strong as, as what the applicants had hoped for. So it, it gave them a little bit harder time, I think, to get a sense for the program. Do you know uh, where we might be heading with uh sub eyes and interviews for 2021 i know the sau is uh uh working on that i i don't have any insider direct insider information but my sense is that there 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 may there, there probably will still be some uh, virtual sub internships uh, i i'm sure some institutions i think are going to be probably hesitant to uh, invite visiting medical students uh, to their institution still here in, in 2021. Um, but I think the SAU will probably put out some guidance here in the next uh, few months. Uh, I, I do believe they've already put out some guidance saying that uh, for the summer that that uh, in-person sub-internships will most likely not be allowed. But as far as virtual interviews, I think that's probably still uh, you know, possible for 2021 uh, until you know, further notice. We'll see. Well, once again, the SAU will most likely come out with a statement on that over the summer. Yeah. What well, you know, I wonder if it, it may be that uh, interviews come to be a, a more of a hybrid, where perhaps the resident doesn't visit every single place. Uh, yet can get enough of information to feel comfortable with how she or he would rank a program based on a virtual interview. And, you know, obviously then it would have to be such that the program would not hold it against someone if they didn't come personally. So we'll see what happens. But um, certainly it's it saves a lot of time and, and a lot of money uh, for sure. Uh, you just you know, you hope you can come to a, 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 a sort of some hybrid where the the applicants feel that it's it's just as good, um, but a little less time consuming and a little less expense. So now I'm guessing one of the big areas where COVID-19 had an impact was on early career urologists, on urologists where perhaps they're practices aren't well established as somebody who's been in the same place for 10 or 15 or 20 or 25 years um you know you're you're right there with the with the young urologist committee how were, were young urologists early career urologists were they affected more and, and how did they respond to everything 
Yeah, Vic, I think you're right. I mean, it, the the early career urologists to me were were hit pretty hard. Um, their practices, I think, suffered fairly significantly. You know, I've I've been I've been here for six years now, so I'm a little bit. I was a little bit certainly much more established. I really, in talking to some of my colleagues that, you know, had just started and they're, and they're just in their first or second year trying to establish their practice, um, it, it was confusing for them uh, how to move forward. You're having to make really hard decisions, right? A lot of time, a lot of hospitals and institutions were asking you to make judgment calls about who should have surgery. Is it really, you know, is it urgent? Is it time sensitive? You're having to make these sort of judgment calls, which when you're first starting out, those are really tough calls to make. So I think talking to my young urology colleagues, those were some of the hard, the hardest things. And then I think uh, at least um, from, from the people that I've been talking to, and I've talked to a lot of people about how the pandemic has impacted their practices all around the country, I think the stress level was just through the roof because you're, you're not only dealing with the stress of being a, a young urologist and trying to just sort of find your way, but you're also dealing with the stress of a, of a worldwide pandemic. Are you going to be redeployed, being asked to do things that maybe you're not as comfortable with? You're worried about your family and their health. You know, for me, my wife is a stay-at-home mom and I have two kids am I gonna is it safe for me to go home am I going to be bringing the virus home to them so these were all sort of fears that I think a lot of young urologists had to sort of grapple with this past year and it certainly hasn't been been easy how has the uh, early career urologist adapted to telemedicine um, you know, we've all kind of had to do it. Um, how, how has the, the younger urologist been with that? What kind of feedback have you gotten? Yeah. So I think, I think, uh, the, the good, the, the good news is that I think a lot of young urologists are, we're a little bit more maybe, uh, how do I put this, adaptable or pliable, uh, maybe than some of the more senior urologists. So we're more, we tend to, you know, and I don't want to make any, you know, stereotypes or generalizations, but we, we tend to, I'd say young urologists tend to be a little bit more facile with the electronic health record and technology in general. So I think what I've heard from a lot of my young urology colleagues is they've really embraced telemedicine. Uh, especially video uh, type visits, um, and and I th I think the the challenge that we've we've sort of had in a lot of places is sort of education, and I think the AUA has has done a good job of educating its or at least trying to educate the young urologists and its members on on uh, on on telemedicine and 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 how to go about billing and coding, right? So how does, how do you do that? What are the rules? What is, you know, what is CMS covering versus what are private insurances covering? So I think that's been one of the challenges, at least for me and some of my colleagues that we've talked about is, is just getting, you know, how do you, um, 
how do you bill for some of these visits? And, and, and I think the AUA has put out some really good educational material for that, that we've tried to, you know, make sure our other young urology colleagues are aware of. You know, one thing that comes to my mind, I'm curious to get your insight on this for, for a, a, a new urologist, somebody who's new in a practice, I got to imagine it's incredibly stressful when you want to, you know, you go into a practice and you want to be a, a, a good, solid contributor to that practice. You want to kind of show your, you know, partners, the other people in that practice, what you have and what you can do. And you're just sort of stymied in doing that through no fault of your own. And, and how, does a, how does a young early career urologist deal with that? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's incredible. It's gotta be incredibly frustrating. Like I, like I said, I I'm, I'm a little bit more established being in practice for six years now, but for, for, I, if I think back to when I was in my first or second year, I mean, I would have, it, it just has to be incredibly frustrating because you, you want to contribute. Like you said, you want to show your partners and your colleagues that you're, you're uh, you know, you've, you've been well-trained and you've got the skill set to, 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 to be a good urologist. And then you're being, you know, your clinics are empty and you're not allowed to operate and the pandemic is raging. So, or you're, or you're in a big city and you're being redeployed and not even doing urology. So, yeah, I think, I think we, we've tried to, you know, with some of my young urology colleagues and what our committee's tried to do is we've just tried to sort of stay positive and try to provide young urologists with the resources um, to uh, be successful. We have a young urology forum where we've had lots of good discussion throughout the pandemic uh, that's sponsored by the AUA Young Urology Committee so that uh, a lot of young urologists have chimed in and, and have, have been sort of posting things on this forum to sort of help help uh, people. Uh, one of the big topics early on uh, was when, as I was alluding to earlier, where a lot of hospitals were telling you, you had to sort of tier patients and you had to prioritize, you know, surgeries and some surgeries were elective and some were urgent. So we, we, we had a lot of discussion and chatter on our forum about how, how to go about doing that. Because I think that was really creating a lot of distress amongst young urologists Right, because we're we're trained to, you know, to do surgery and to get patients to the operating room, and now we're being told, wait, put a pump the brakes, you can't, you can't operate anymore. So it was, it was sort of a a weird frame shift that a lot of young urologists, I think, had to struggle with. Yeah, and I think that the next thing that we may see for both our our, our early career urologists and senior urologists is as patients start to come back we're going to start to see diseases at a little bit more advanced stages than we were used to. And these can be malignancies and these can be benign conditions, but where, you know, people have clearly neglected their health care for fear of seeking health care. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that's going to make it even more difficult to treat their condition. Right. So, That'll create, a, I think, a whole new set of challenges uh, that we'll have to sort of address and tackle. And, and uh, but I, you know, what I know, what I've learned, one of the things I've learned is that urologists, physicians, and I think certainly young urologists are incredibly bright and resilient. 
and this this has been quite the challenge. I think I would say the challenge of a lifetime to go through this type of a, a pandemic, just dealing with the work life balance aspect of it and the challenges. And and I I'm just real proud of how I think the people that I've talked to and dealt with have, have handled it. And uh, and I think how we come out of this, I think we're going to come out of it as a field much stronger and with with good good leaders leading us along the way. And, and I think we'll have new solutions to a lot of problems. And I think, like you said earlier, this, this, what the pandemic has done as it, I think is it, it has accelerated a lot of the educational opportunities and has really modernized the way that we think about education. Yeah. I was going to ask you as we close, if you can think of one or two things from a, from a perspective of a, a young practicing urologist somebody new or relatively new in practice what are some of the good lessons learned some of the things that they can carry forward uh to make them uh more successful in in the years to come yeah the first thing that came to mind was actually leadership and we as physicians and certainly as urologists are our leaders whether we are have an official posting as you know the chair of a committee or not where we're all leaders when we walk every day we walk into that operating room we're leaders so what i've one of the things i've learned is it's it's really important especially in a time of crisis as 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 this has certainly been is to is to try to be a leader and i think young urologists you know we we look up we we try to find leaders good leaders and mentors uh but I think we we even as young urologists can be leaders every every day we walk into the hospital every day we walk into clinic and during a pandemic that's that's when I th or any crisis leadership is needed and and then I think the second thing that I've I've um, that sort of take home from from me is is in, in talking to a lot of other of my colleagues is the really the importance of having a good mentor and mentorship and we haven't talked a lot about mentorship during this podcast but that's been a common theme for our, our young urologists and young urologist committee since i've been involved with it for the past several years and 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 certainly me personally i've had some really good mentors at uh, university of wisconsin when i started my career here my boss you know steve nakata and and uh, dave gerard two of my mentors here have really been incredibly helpful and when you're in a sort of a crisis situation it's i think critical to you know go go have somebody that you can talk to and, and lean on um, at work uh, obviously it's good to have people outside of work as well to sort of maintain that work-life balance but but those would be the two things that i've sort of learned from the pandemic that i hope to take forward and i think other young urologists um, hopefully will 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 also learn from this and these are you know two of the topics that we're going to be stressing uh, coming up at uh, the, the AUA kickoff weekend in May and then also at the uh, annual meeting in Las Vegas in 2021. So I'll just give a, a plug for that. So there'll be more, more of that to come. So if you come to the Young Urology Forum at the AUA, we'll, we'll have a, a session on uh, leadership and leading boldly uh, during times of crisis. And, uh, and, and also we'll have some uh, discussion on uh, mentorship and, and we're continuing to work on those initiatives with the uh, AUA. And I guess from my perspective, I think 
what we have realized is that we clearly can educate and educate well in in the virtual world and we'll continue to do that because of its uh, availability and its convenience but I think the other thing that will likely come out of this is that I think our live education events are going to be better I think they're going to be better because we are going to be uh, we're going to have to make them better and make them a more unique uh, experience for people uh, you know having said that I think there'll always be a place for live event education because you know we are people we like to be with other people we like the networking and the the socialization but we can bring that together with educating and educating in in unique ways and then we'll have the whole virtual platform as well so I think at the end of the day education wins in this whole thing uh it certainly opened our eyes to a lot of things and you know when i look at how much better some of our products have gotten in the last year um it, you know it it's really exciting you know just adding you know audio books to the aua update series and um you know how we've improved our apps the sasp app uh and and these were things again they were planned but we got moving on them quicker to meet a need, and uh, and I think we have to take advantage of that now uh, and move forward and, and continue to, to innovate with how we educate. You know, I know my, my son is a urology resident, and it, you know, the way he learns and the way I learned are two completely different ways, and I would never expect him to sit down and read a textbook like I used to do. Um, and uh, and he would look at you know look at me like are you kidding you know I, I'm not going to do that um, I'm going to watch a video and figure out how to do that operation and you know it's just different but different I think in a good way Kyle I want to thank you so much for uh, uh, for this I think it's been great uh, and hopefully uh, in the future we'll be able to to do more of more podcasts like this I also want to thank you for your service as the as the chair of the Young Urologist Committee, that uh, uh, demonstrates that exact leadership that you were just talking about. And we know that there are plenty of young and maybe not so young folks out there that uh, would serve very well in leadership roles. And we encourage you to get involved uh, in, uh, in uh, as many activities uh, as you would like. Uh, Kyle, any closing, closing words for our audience? Yeah, thank, and thanks again, Vic. This this was a lot of fun, and I hope it's been useful for everyone listening. And I would echo Dr. Nitty: get involved, get engaged. We want we want to see you at, at not just at meetings, but on on committees and, and in leadership roles, uh, so that we can hear your voices. So so thank you all so much. And lastly, I will close with: uh, if uh, you need any more information, please visit us at auanet.org slash university and at auanet.org slash young urologists. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>